0: Good morning. Glad to be here and happy anniversary, Tom and Lisa. Wow. 40 years. See, ours will be next, not this year, but next year will be 40 years. That's, that's something to celebrate. I mean, that, uh, that, you know, our wives have put up with us for that long. It's just a great thing. Tom and I used to go out looking at cars and we'd just spend hours at, Costco and Best Buy, and and so God had to move him out here to keep his marriage. <laughs> well, listen, it's great to be here, always a blessing to share with all of you, and uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, there'll be one given to you right there, because we do study the Bible at this church, and I'm so blessed that uh, Tom continues to maintain that, because I think more than ever, you know What? People need to hear and know the truth of God's word and we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. So uh, with that in mind, let's take out our Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 33, Jeremiah chapter 33. And uh, what I'm going to talk about or talk on this morning is how to connect with God. That's the title of my message, how to connect with God there's a lot of talk today about connection and making connection and we want to be connected at Best Buy. They have a, a connected department that's all about connecting people. And uh, and listen, while we uh, are connected with one another, Tom was talking about it earlier, sweet fellowship, connecting with one another. Listen, the most important connection that we can make is connection with God. Maintain that connection and like this microphone doesn't maintain that connection so it kind of fades in and out and, and, and you know what? That is, creates a problem. It creates a problem with you because it's a little bit distracting and guess what? We get distracted. When the connection with God, if, if things get messed up, it's, it's not really comfortable when we aren't solidly connected. So we're going to take a look at that uh, this morning in our time together. But before we do that, of course, let's uh, spend a moment here connecting with God and asking for the teaching ministry of his Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for this time in this place that we can gather together freely Lord, and to study your word, to worship you, to to celebrate, Lord, uh, what you are doing in our own lives, uh, Lord, to celebrate uh, what you have been doing in Tom and Lisa's life and the blessing that they have been to this church and and the blessing that this church has been to them and and to myself. Lord, I I pray that uh, now you would just bless this time of studying your word, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our eyes that we might understand more fully your plan and your purpose for us. And Lord, our desire is to, to just to welcome here your Holy Spirit, to be that teacher that uh, you have given for that very reason. So uh, just uh, give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A while back in uh, Newsweek, uh, there was a, a cover story Entitled talking to God, a Gallup poll was taken and it reported that ninety one percent of the women and eighty five percent of the men say said that they prayed regularly and uh, they pray at least once a day. This survey went on to say that 32% of the people who pray report that praying gives them a deep sense of peace. 26% said they have a sense of the actual presence of God in their prayers. Now, while that might not be a high percentage, it, it is a significant percentage. But when you listen to those percentages and those figures, uh, all the people that uh, pray, the amount, I mean that uh, 91% of the women and 85% of the men, all of that sounds encouraging until, as you continue on in this survey, that only 15% of those surveyed who regularly uh, pray, expect to receive definite answers to those prayers. That's a pretty sad commentary, isn't it? They pray, but they don't expect for those prayers to be answered. Now that tells us something. A lot of people are praying, but very few people are actually connecting with God. I heard a story about a Sunday school teacher uh, who you know, the, the Sunday school was uh, uh, adopting uh, some missionaries and, and they were to write letters to these foreign missionaries and the teacher told them that these missionaries were very busy and might not have uh, time to answer their letters. So you can imagine the surprise of uh, one missionary when he received a, a letter from one of the girls in this Sunday school class that read like this, Dear Reverend Smith, we are praying for you, but don't worry, we're not expecting an answer. Sometimes that's the way we pray. R.A. Torrey, speaking of prayer, said, Prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is and all that God has is at the disposal of prayer that we must use the key. Prayer can do anything that God can do. And since God can do anything, prayer is omnipotent, powerful, important, you see. In fact, we have greater need as a church to be taught to pray than to preach. And Tom is going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. But I I realize and 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 you got to realize with me. I, I mean, have you watched the news lately? Man, it's rough. It's tough. It's 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 a little disheartening. It seems like everybody is bickering and and fighting and tweeting and twittering and and it sends me trembling. I mean, I'm going. What's going on? You know, and I I think Lord. What is the answer? And you know what, precious saints, the answer is not in politics. The answer is not in the economy. The answer is gained and attained by prayer. How desperately we need to pray. The church. If my people who are called by my name will what? Uh, campaign? No. Memorize scripture? Good. No. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Pray. There is a need for a rediscovery of the possibilities that have always existed when we come as a church or when we come as families, when we come personally before God in prayer. And here we receive in our text, Jeremiah, tough time in the nation. They're all into idolatry. It's all kinds of weird stuff. In fact, they're about to be taken into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar and And Jeremiah is looking around at what's going on. A lone prophet, if you would, of God. And his heart is breaking because the people of God are forsaking God. And so he's struggling. He's in prison here. God says something to Jeremiah here in verse 1 of chapter 33. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. I like that. You know what's great about God? Is He doesn't just say something once. He loves us. He doesn't mind repeating it, uh, especially when it's something as significant as this. He says, Jeremiah, uh, listen, I, I want to talk to you again. We we get the situation that Jeremiah was in in this uh, when the word of the Lord came to him, he was still shut up in the court of the prison. You, you feel that way? You feel shut up? You feel like you can't break free? You feel like uh, you're confined and, and and man, things are closing in on you. You feel imprisoned by the problems that we are facing. You see, Jeremiah, shut up. In the court of the prison. What's the Lord say. Jeremiah. Who's struggling. Who no doubt is discouraged. And disheartened. By all that he is going through. We read here. God's word. And here it is. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord who made it. The Lord who formed it. To establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me. And I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I find in these verses here a a theology of neology that we need desperately. I find here a, a comprehensive theology of the most powerful force in the universe that is available to you and me through prayer. You see, what do we have here? I want you to note four things in our time together. So if you want to sleep, just when I say number four, it's time to wake up because it's almost over. If you're taking note, God speaks to Jeremiah here. And first of all, he issues to this struggling prophet, He issues to us in issuing this to him, a struggling people. uh, First of all, word number one, an invitation. Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, the Lord who established it. Call to me. Call to me. Cry out to the Lord. He gives us an invitation. Now, an invitation is not too meaningful if the person who is issuing the invitation doesn't have the authority or the ability to make happen what needs to happen as a result. In other words, you know, if, uh, for example, let's say you were asking me, uh, you know, hey, listen, or I, I say to you rather, hey, listen, uh, if you need your house painted or some uh, framing done, uh, go ahead and call me. Invite me over. Uh, listen, I, uh, issuing that uh, word to you. Well, I, I'm lousy at painting. I don't think I've ever painted anything, uh, except for maybe finger paints when I was a kid. And as far as framing a house goes, I grew up in the bakery. Uh, I have no ability to frame anything. So what good would I be to you if you invited me? Uh, You see, I'm telling you to go ahead and invite me, but but what good am I? It's sort of like if Tom says, hey, if you have any problems that require surgery, give me a call. I'll bring my, you know, brand new knife set over. I've watched Grey's Anatomy. I've watched The House a lot and a few episodes of ER. And I think I may be able to kind of, you know, hook you up and take care of what ails you. Listen, that's no good. Uh, Why? Because, well, I know Tom. And as he's stated, I've known him for many years. And there's a lot of things that I think Tom can do. But cutting on me is not one of them. And I wouldn't suggest it for you. Uh, You see, my point, if an invitation is given to take an action, it all depends on who the invitation comes from. Well, here in our text, the invitation is given by who in verse two? The Lord. And whenever you see Lord capitalized like it is, it is his covenant name. It is his personal name. Is an endearing name, you see. If I insist that you call me a Pastor Dennis, uh, that's probably a, a sign that, uh, we're not too close and I feel it important to keep uh, a bit of distance between us. But if I say, hey, you can just call me Dennis, there is a more personal sense, you see, in that. And God is saying here to Jeremiah, I'm giving you my personal name. And as a result, you see, it's a covenant name that demonstrates his interest personally and in everything that attends to them as his people. You see, he says, call to me. What he's saying here is, why don't you come to me more? Why don't you call on me more? We've said that to people, right? Hey, man, I love you, brother. Well, you never call me. What do you mean you love me? You never call me. You never you never talk to me anymore. You, 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 well, I'm, I'm really busy. Well, if you cared, you'd call, right? Well, guess what? The same is true of God. So many times when we have trouble on our jobs, when we go, you know, we'll go to a fellow worker, or go to the shop steward, and, uh, you know, and we'll go talk to another brother or sister in the Lord and God saying, uh, I'm, I'm right here. Why am I last in line? The people that you talk to when you got troubles. You see, if you're having problems in your family, you go to your spouse and, and talk about it. And, and sometimes you'll say, what are we doing wrong with these children? God is saying, hey, hey, hey! you want to know? You guys are like talking about it. Guess what? I made them. I know how they work. And I know what you need to do. Why don't you come and talk to me together if you're having problems financially, you run off to the bank. You see what other credit card you can get, and you know, in your roster of credit cards, God is saying, "Hey, you have financial problems. Why don't you come to me? Why don't you come to me? I know how to deal with these things." How many words do we speak? Every day, I mean, there's a lot of words that we say every day. How many of those words that come out of our mouths are spoken to the one who cares deeply about us? And that is God. You see, rather than complain, rather than curse, why don't you call on the name of the Lord? Now, the call is, again, it's an indication here of something that is done deliberately. It's something that you plan to do. It's something that God is inviting you to keep in your plans. Proverbs chapter 2 reads like this to that end. Incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, get that? If you seek her as silver, a lot of people out there seeking silver, aren't they? Give me the dollars, man. Give me the cash, man. Give me more money, more money. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. How desperately, precious saints, do we need to seek God in these days in which we are living we need to see that God responds when he sees and he senses a passion when he hears a pointed request and and just a persistent request to him he loves to hear from his kids he loves for us to come to him i you know something about uh, parenting is great grandparenting is better and I'll tell you why. I've got uh, nine grandkids and number 10 is on the way. And I just flew here from Texas where uh, two of those grandsons live. And, and my uh, my uh, daughter-in-law is pregnant with a little girl we found out while we were there. And it's due in December here, end of November. And so uh, when Grandpa comes and he lands in that airplane, he gets there and he walks into the house. It's not like, hi, Grandpa, how are you? It's like, it's like, Papa, boom, and they're on me. And, and, and Papa, Papa, and they want to talk to me and they want to sit across from me and they want to sit next to me and they want to be with me. And when Papa leaves, they want Papa. They want to go with Papa. Can we ride with Papa? You know, you know what? You know what that feels like? I feel loved. You know what? It helps me think about God. Do I come to you like that? I come to you with that kind of passion and excitement and sense of expectation and, and desire for close communication to be with you, to be there? And you know what? If I'm honest, I have to admit, I don't always do that. I'm growing. But guess what? Saints, I'm not preaching to you from, from a perspective of, hey, I got this prayer thing down. I, I, I'm preaching to me, and I hope you're hearing what God's saying to me and maybe it'll encourage you maybe maybe some of you have got this down and praise God for you uh, you're a part of the reason this church is continuing to this day because I believe the church marches on its knees you say well that's great pastor and uh, um, uh, but what what if I do this and I start to pray like this and I'm passionate and I'm in it. And I'm not when I'm talking about passion, I'm not talking about volume. Some people think passion is equal to volume. Pray like this and God hears you. If you just pray, Lord, just, you know, have you heard this? Have you ever had somebody pray for cancer one way and they pray for a headache another way? When they pray for cancer, oh, God, is God in but cancer, Lord right now, I just pray. But if Lord just touch this headache like like it's a big deal for cancer for God, and a headache is like, you know, nothing nothing big. Listen, cancer is just as easy for God to deal with as a headache. So, it's not volume that I'm talking about that is being referred to here. It's persistence and passion in prayer. So, you get with it. You go, okay, pastor, uh, I've, I'm going to do that. Or, or perhaps you say, well, I've done that, but... What if God doesn't respond? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Jeremiah, I hear God's word to him. You see, God was thinking maybe Jeremiah was feeling kind of this way. And so he says, call to me and, what's he say next? I will answer. First word is invitation. Second word, insurance. Uh, you know, We've got insurance policies. Uh, we are paying a lot of money for insurance policies. They provide uh, security. Uh, but can I suggest to you that the greatest insurance policy you can ever have is right here. God says, you call me and guess what? You're not going to get voicemail. Uh, you're, you're not going to get an answering machine. You call me, you're not going to get, you know, a, a hang up, a decline. You call me and guess what I'm going to do? I will answer you. No ifs, no ands, no buts about that. Uh, Titus in chapter one, verse one, we read Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, listen, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Hey, guess what? When God says, you call me and I will answer, that is not a God who does not lie. It is a God who cannot lie. Something God cannot do is what? Lie. If God says, I will answer, he's not lying. Okay, that's that's a fact. He he is not lying. He can't lie. And with that in mind. When God says, I will answer. You say, well, I know that God can answer, Pastor, that's not my problem. But will he do it or will he just put me off? Like sometimes parents can do to their children. We'll go. We'll go. When are we going to go? We'll go. Today. We'll go. Eventually. We'll go. Or. Or. We promise. This weekend. We're going to do this. And we make promises. To our children. And then. Things happen. That are beyond our control. Circumstances come up. We have every intention. Of. Of going there. And, and doing what we said. But things fall apart. And circumstances happen. And, and we are unable then to keep our promise. But God is not like that. He not only will keep his promises. But he will do so. And I like what uh, James McDonald says. He says, refers, uh, says this regularly. He will do it with his feet up. God is not in heaven going like, man, we gotta get this thing under control. We gotta deal with this, man. God, God, hey, He is not panicked. He, He knows Trump's in office. He, He knows what's going on in California. He, He, He knows what, what is happening in, in the various uh, national scenes. And, and God is not like going, whoa, this is radical. Check that out, angels. These dudes are, you know, this is, I didn't know, I didn't know this was gonna happen. Oh, God. God does not live in that place. God can keep and will keep his promises. And listen, it's no problem for him, whatever your problem is. You read the chapter preceding this chapter, chapter 32. There is a couple times that God reminds Jeremiah in the midst of this idolatrous state and these people have forsaken God. In the midst of this, he says, there's nothing too hard for me to do. He reminds them. He reminds me in you. He's not bothered. He's not too busy or burdened. He's able to keep his promises. His power and ability are limitless. And so when God says, I will answer you, it's not like he is saying, well, I intended to, but I just didn't get around to it today. God will answer. Isaiah chapter 46, you can write this down. Verse 11. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. New Living Translation. I've said it. I'll do it. And I will. I like that. Just just very simple. I said it. I'll do it. And I will. It's it's going to happen. He is able. There is nothing too hard for him to do. First John 1. Verse uh, chapter verse uh, number 13. I write this to you who believe in the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life and we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we know he is listening, when we make our requests, we can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. That's God's word you got God's word that he will answer. So there's invitation, uh, uh, you know, then there's uh, insurance, insurance. And so you say, well, if you're praying for God's will, he's going to answer that prayer. There's no question about it. But sometimes we can get discouraged on our end. So what's the next thing? This brings us to our third word, inspiration, motivation, if you would. You see, sometimes we get kind of apathetic and lazy and maybe when we don't see things happening as quickly as we'd like them to happen, you see, we kind of back off. And we're wondering why we're not experiencing just God working and moving in amazing and miraculous ways in our lives. Well note this here, brings us to our third, this, this third word. He says here, call to me and I will answer you. And then listen to this. Here's some motivation for you. Here's some inspiration for, for you in your prayer life. He says, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You catch that? You catch what God is doing and, and, and promising to do for those who will call on him? You see, he's saying, listen, I I got some great, I got some amazing, I got some marvelous, some wonderful things that I want to show you, reveal to you. Even in the midst of all the difficulty, even in the midst of. Maybe any downturn in the economy, any kind of of problems politically, any kind of circumstances that would go off the rails in your family. Uh, God is saying to Jeremiah here, he's saying to you and me, listen, you call and I will answer. And I'm going to show you some stuff. I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to show you great and I'm going to show you mighty Things. Now, he says this to Jeremiah. All Jeremiah remembers in prison. And the political scene, the perversity going on, the sexual promiscuity, all the garbage going on, you see, and the idolatry among God's people, all the apathy and indifference. God speaks to Jeremiah while he's sitting there in prison. And he says, Hey Jerry, I got some great, I got some mighty things, things that will blow your mind. I know you're having a little trouble about what's going on right now. I know you're questioning and I know you're struggling. That happens to all of us, doesn't it? In our prayer life, many times we get down, we get discouraged and our faith can uh, begin to break down. And, and then when that happens, we can get angry. Have you ever been angry at God, mad at God? Now listen, I, I know this from preaching, uh, not in this church, but, but in other churches I've preached in that I've seen people when I'm preaching and when I say a certain thing, they get mad and you can see it on their faces and they nudge the person next to them. I've actually seen them get up and storm out of the building. Those aren't happy people. When that happens. You get angry. We've all had that time where we were angry at God. When we say, why, Lord, is my life uh, so uh, crazy right now when i've been obedient to you and seeking you i i thought things would change and and they haven't i don't need this stuff i don't need one more thing in my life god and you're angry you're not happy with god listen i'm not saying you can make those feelings go away and i'm not suggesting that you deny they exist but i am telling you god is calling you here in this text to bring them to him god can handle your anger okay God can handle the fact that you're upset about things, alright? And, and, and that you're struggling with it. Go to Him. Be honest with Him. Don't, don't go to everybody else. No reason. Go to the one who can deal with it. Go to the, go to God. I mean, you look at the Psalms. And, and David, there were times where, where are you, God? You've forsaken me. My enemies have surrounded me. What, but don't you care? Habakkuk. Where are you, God? How is it that you can allow these things to go on? Take your questions. Take your fears. Take your anger to the Lord. Take the the struggles that you're having with understanding, you know, things and maybe you can handle what's going on today. Maybe you're going through some kind of difficulty or trial presently and and you're, you know, in the what if syndrome, you know, what if my husband never is never what I want for him to be or what if I never get a husband or or a wife or what if I run out of money or or what if, you know, she gains too much weight? What if he loses his hair? What if a health crisis comes up? What about what if what if we don't get the promotion? You see, Tom's still here. He's got less hair, but Lisa—they still love one another. You see, we can get caught up in this "what if" kind of syndrome, afraid that God is not going to be faithful and come through. We begin to doubt. Bring your doubts to God. I love the man that said, "Lord, uh, uh, hey." I believe when God asked him if he believed that it could be healed, I believe. But what? What do you say? But help my unbelief. That's an honest guy. God doesn't mind. Bring that stuff to God, and don't think. Well, I'm not going to say that to God. Like God doesn't know what you're thinking. Like He didn't. Oh wow! Well, if you don't say it, I won't know. God like knows what you're thinking. It's it's time to be honest. It's time to be up close and personal with God. And listen, there are all kinds of illustrations that I could give. Uh, to answered prayer, how God did do great and mighty things and wonderful things in my own life. Uh, there are uh, all kinds of books that you can buy volumes written on uh, how God answered a prayer and has moved in people's life. But but here's what I'd encourage you to do. Talk to your brothers and sisters here as people with skin on because you can't validate all that's happened in those books. But there are people here in this room who God has answered their prayers in a mighty way. Talk to them. Get with them. Share your story with others. Pray with others that you could see God do great things, you see. Because that's what God wants to do. You ain't seen nothing yet when it comes to what God wants to do here in your life personally and in this church family and in this community with with this church body. So we need to pray. And then finally, the fourth word is illumination illumination here he says that i will show you great and mighty things catch this which you do not know for those of you that know everything can i inform you if your wife hasn't lately men can i inform you you don't know everything you don't know everything there are things that you don't know no and and guess what newsflash uh Pastor doesn't, Dennis doesn't know everything either, okay? Uh, pastor Tom doesn't know everything. When when people come up to me, why would God allow this? When I was a younger pastor, I used to say, well, maybe it's this, and maybe i make up whatever scenarios, because it really could have been some of those things. You know what? Today I've learned just simply to say, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me either that this is going on in your life, but I'll tell you what, Father knows. Let's go to Him and talk to Him about it. You see, illumination, hidden things. God can do a work there. Habakkuk was struggling with the same thing as Jeremiah. In chapter 1, in verse 5, God says to Habakkuk, Look among the nations and watch, and be utterly astounded, Habakkuk, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. Even though you hear about it, I'll blow your minds. I'll do stuff that will just be so beyond what you could even imagine that 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 it'll just be overwhelming to you. God is able to do that kind of stuff. You see, we need to hang in there, though. A lot of times we give up before we see it. We quit seeking. We keep quit knocking. We keep. Quit asking. Oh, the Lord said, seek, keep seeking in the Greek. Knock, keep knocking. Ask, keep asking. And the Lord will open it to you. How many times do you just go, God, okay, if you do this and do this. Uh, where's the passion? I mean, uh, where, where is the where is the sense of expectation? You're, you're going to a God who can do it, who can show you things that you can't see without prayer. You can't read them in a book. You can't get things in counsel. You see, there are secret things. There are uh, uh, wondrous things that God wants to show you that you can get in no other way than to get serious and get busy and pray. God can show you things, wonderful things, secret things, and you don't get them, listen, you don't get them by listening to a study on prayer okay the studies study's good, okay, not bad. but listen, if you simply gain intellectual understanding and information as to what uh, is is to to happen and what we are to be doing, uh you've you miss the point. Uh, it's sort of like a, a guy who uh you know wants to play tennis, and so he goes out, he finds out. You know, visiting the local tennis scene. The hep, the cool attire to have. He also finds out what the absolute best racket on the market is. He gets books. He reads about it. He hangs out with tennis players. He gets the jargon down. He gets it all going on. And you know what? Anybody talking to this guy... Uh, man, they would think he's a tennis buff because he can talk it out, man. He he knows all the ins and outs. He looks like it. He gets out there on the court and the ball is served and he can't even get it back across the net. In fact, he can't even get it on the racket. Guess what? He knows it. He even understands it. But he's not practicing it. The practice of prayer i 'm encouraged tom said twenty seven guys out to pray. if a work is going to happen, you get twenty seven men out to pray man listen, they turn the whole world upside down with 12 disciples. We're going to see something happen here in an even greater way than you've seen previously if that's going on. And that is my exhortation to the remainder of this body. Listen, you don't have to be at that men's study to pray. I hope that you will come out. There's something about the church praying together that's important where we gather for that very purpose of praying together as a church. But we ought to be those who are praying without ceasing. You see, that's what Paul talks about. And Jesus told the disciples in the last days that men ought always to pray and not to faint. In these days in which we are living, God is pointing there to the need to be in a constant uh, just communication with God. There's so much that God wants to do in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of the church body, in this community, in this nation, you see, in the world. But He's hindered. Many times because of our haughty thinking, we think that we know. When what we really need to do is go to Him and say, God, show me. Show me. Direct me. Guide me. You see, the greatest knowledge that we can possess comes through prayer. Because the reality is the greatest knowledge a person can ever have. And I get this question all the time as a pastor. Pastor, what's God's will for my life? Gee, I wish I knew. I'm still still working on mine. But I'll pray with you see, what's God's will for your life? You'll never know what God's will for your life is unless you pray. The greatest person you can ever know is Jesus Christ. And guess what? You'll never know Him apart from the practice of prayer. The greatest book you will ever read is the Word of God and you will never truly comprehend and understand and understand Mind those treasures there apart from prayer. The greatest difference between the early church and the modern church is that the early church exerted the privilege of prayer while the modern church has deserted the privilege of prayer. How many times do we say to somebody, Oh, I'll I'll be praying for you, and actually do. God, help us. Listen, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this to make you feel your need. The desperate need that we have to seek God. And I, I told you at the beginning, I'm preaching to me. Okay? You say, well, you've got this prayer thing down. No, I don't. In fact, one of the hardest things for me to do is pray. Because I'm a guy, and you know how guys are. Gals, I think we're all kind of bent a little bit this way. Honey, you know what? Uh, how do we deal with this? Oh, I'll, I'll fix it. I'm here. Mr. Fix-It is on scene. And, and, and with stuff and mechanics, you, know, you can usually fix it. Now, some of us think we can fix it and mess it up worse. Uh, we don't let on that we actually mess it up worse. We say there must be some defect in the thing that we're fixing, but... But when it comes to relationships, when it comes to love, when it comes to children, guess what, guys? You don't have a clue what you're doing unless you know what God wants. And you don't have a clue what God wants unless you're in His Word and in prayer. He alone is wise. We're not. I was thinking of this just uh, between services. Somebody was talking to me about Trump. There's some things I like about him. But I'll tell you what, some things that drive me crazy about him. He, he just tweets out every feeling that he has. The Bible says a fool speaks before he hears a matter out. See, listen, I've been foolish at times. And I think he's foolish at times. We need, we need to be... Here's, here's what I wish would happen. We need to pray for Trump. And the Bible tells us to pray for those in authority, not to pound them down or, or you know, push, push them, you know, down into, a, out into a certain cubby hole. We are to pray for those that are in authority. And, and here's the thing. I believe this. We need to pray that Trump would pray every time he's prone to tweet. <laughs> and I think we could have revival. Because he's tweeting all the time. And, and, and uh, you know what? He's just, well, he just says what he feels. Well, that's not a commendation all the time. There's things where you feel that you probably should shut up, Bob. Okay? Until you weigh the matter out. And, and think it out and say, okay, if what I say is, is it going to be profitable? Is it going to encourage? Is it going to tear down or build up? Is it going to correct in, in love? Am I speaking the truth in love? You see, that's key. You can't do that apart from prayer. We need the Lord's strength. We need His wisdom. We need His guidance. I'll close with this story. A little boy was out in the yard, trying to move a a heavy object, a stove. He was grunting and groaning and struggling and straining and and not getting anywhere. Well, his dad was watching him and just kind of just he was smiling as as fathers kind of do at times when we see things like this occurring and they don't know we're there. And uh, finally, the boy was almost, you know, just completely exhausted. And 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 his dad said, son, the boy didn't know his dad was there. He goes, yeah, what? He goes, uh, it appears as though all of your effort and all of your struggling and straining, you've been unable to move that stove one inch, you see. The father, after the boy said, well, that's true, dad. The father said, well, have you used all of your strength?" And the boy said, yes, sir. And the dad said, no, you haven't. For you're my child and you haven't asked me yet. You see, how many times is that us with the Lord? We go to everywhere, to everyone else, we struggle in our own effort, in our own strength, trying to figure it out, harried and hassled and harassed and harassing others that aren't harried and hassled like we are. How can you be at peace when I'm in turmoil? Let's ask, let's ask Martha. Uh, and Mary. Remember Mary? Where was she? Sitting at the feet of Jesus just spending time with Him. It takes away the the harriedness and the hassle and, and you can be at peace because you know you rest in the power of the Creator and the loving arms of God. May God help us to be those who make prayer a priority. And And you know what? It's my prayer as you walk out of here today that you don't get good at this praying thing without practicing. So, so, so make a commitment to practice. Husbands, pray with your wives. Wives, make sure you help them. Remind them to pray. Well, why do I have to remind them? Just do it. Just don't, don't wish. Well, I wish, he wouldn't. I wish he'd do it. Okay, he should. And I'm not suggesting that he shouldn't. Okay, man, I'm not letting you off the hook. But let's let's whatever we got to do let's let's get praying together as couples let's get praying together as families let's let's make it a practice let's let's make it a unless you are in an extreme hurry if somebody says uh, hey hey pray for me i'm going i'm going on this interview hey let's let's pray right now let's just stop stop and pray with them right there and right then you see that's a demonstration that you believe in the power of prayer And it will encourage them. And guess what? God says, you call on my name and I will answer. And paraphrase Dennis Davenport version, and blow your minds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that today... As we have studied this topic of prayer. How important it is for us, Lord, as 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 believers. As your children, not just to, to know these things. Uh, your word says that if we know these things, happy are we. Blessed are we if we do these things. And in this area of prayer, Lord, help us to live in that sense of humility in that sense of the need that we have Lord uh, to come and to seek you that that we are not smart enough on our own that we are not uh, Lord uh, those who have all the answers Lord may we bring each and every situation to you in prayer so that there's not those needless tears and needless sorrow Lord I just thank you for this time. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that has not yet given their lives to you, Lord, I pray today that they might come and have their sins forgiven through relationship with Jesus Christ who died on the cross and took the guilt and the wrath and the shame that they deserve for their sin, that He might provide a way, and He has provided a way, that they can come and be brought into a relationship with a holy God as sinful men and women because of that sacrifice on that cross. Lord, I I thank you that 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 relationship with you, that that change is just a prayer away. And so, Lord, if there's any here that have not yet given their lives to you, I pray that they would not walk out of here wishing things could change, but they would walk out of here knowing the one who can change them through relationship with Christ. And we'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.